I think many times what they've done is sought to solve the mystery mm. and, and, and get it all untied, and here's how we can logically perceive it and grasp it. Mm-hmm. But what happens there is you, you have a, a lesser view of God, a, less, a view that does not square with what Scripture has revealed, and thus you create a God of your own making, one who can be marshaled with your own rational thoughts, rather than just taking what Scripture reveals and saying, we've got to believe it all, mm-hmm. and if we can't put it all together... God knows that he still revealed this about himself and that he is higher than our minds can grasp. Welcome back to the Resurrection Church Podcast. Today we're talking with Dan Miller, pastor of Eden Baptist Church about the Trinity. Dan, it's good to have you on the podcast again. Good to be here. Well, we are having a Bible conference at the end of March. Dan, you're speaking to us on the topic of the Trinity, and um, I think people could probably take one of two views on the Trinity. One is that it's just really unnecessary or complicated and boring, so why would we have a Bible conference on the Trinity? Or you could add your voice to Augustine, who said, There's no subject where error is more dangerous, research more laborious, and discovery more fruitful than the oneness of the Trinity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I think you would probably fall closer to Augustine than the disinterested observer. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, he, He knew what he was saying, and there's a lot behind that, and he understood that. So I think it's well said. Well, how, how important is the Trinity? I've never seen the word in the Bible. Is it something that people made up? Is it just a Roman Catholic doctrine that us Baptists don't need to connect with at all? Yeah. It's, it's very important, as, as you set it up there with the Augustine quote. It's uh, crucial to our faith. So the Trinity is not a word that we find in the Bible, but it's, a, in a sense, an abbreviation of a whole complex of ideas and so we're, I'm thankful for the word Trinity because it stands for this whole conversation, so we shouldn't be tripped up by that. But it's, it's, it's absolutely vital as we understand the Bible, and as it develops and as Revelation develops, this is the God who is revealed. And so if we want to know God, we need to, we need to be interested in his triune being. Yeah, so pretty much every attempt at understanding the Trinity more is it an attempt understanding God and knowing God better. Right. And, and as Augustine brought out there, when we fail that, there's un, mm-hmm. we, it's inevitable that there's going to be doctrinal error that follows, and that affects our churches and affects our personal relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Well, what, what then would be a basic working definition or description of the Trinity if we're, if we're trying to summarize it so everyone knows what we're talking about? Yeah. Uh, a couple of ideas there. Uh, one, just by way of uh, maybe an equation, there is only one God. Uh, God exists in three persons, and we could say in three distinct persons. Uh, that is, neither one is the other. And then each person is truly divine. So that, that equation, there is only one God. God exists in three distinct persons, and each person is truly divine. But I've worked up uh, this definition borrowing from others, which I think is fairly succinct, but there is only one true and living God, is the idea, who 
exists in a unity that encompasses three co-eternal, co-equal persons who, though one in substance, are distinct in subsistence. And that's not a word we use very often, but it just means necessary existence, that the very existence of God necessitates we must recognize and understand the three distinct persons, obviously using person differently than we do as we refer to ourselves as human beings. So how, how would we use person then when we talk about the persons of the Trinity? We're, we're taking a shot there. I don't know. I, it it <laughs> yeah. doesn't ever quite work. Mm. Uh, there's different definitions of person that you'll find, lots of discussion about how to understand that. All that, all that we can, all that I can perceive, at least, is that there's a, a distinct—it's more than a manifestation. It is a, a distinct person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit— and yet there is that oneness, and I think it's just one of those places where our minds just bend to get anywhere close to really understanding who God is, but to know that He is infinite, His ways are higher than our ways, mm-hmm. and this is the I, I, the best word that we can come up with, mm-hmm. uh, even though we realize we're using it a bit distinctly from, mm. from human beings. Yeah, so when we sing holy, 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 and have that line, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, we're not talking about three separate human persons or right. individuals, right. Uh, but using it in a slightly different way, trying to communicate the individuality yet unity of the Godhead. Right, and God speaks to us so often in Scripture of in analogies or relationships that we understand, such mm. as Father and Son, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't really have anything to compare with, and, and God is incomparable. He is unique. He is uh, utterly holy, and so uh, there... We should, un- we should anticipate that we will be confused at times mm-hmm. in how to describe mm-hmm. the Lord, and this is one of those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even as you described the Trinity there, you were using very careful wording as you were trying to describe the God who is above all. And with, with that technical language, I mean, being so careful to articulate who God is, what happens if we're not, not careful to, to describe him uh, according to what the scriptures reveal him to be, are there heresies that can come about if we're not careful with our language there? Right, there definitely are, and that historically has been the case from the first centuries of the Christian Church, uh, laboring particularly with the person of Christ in those early centuries. But it affected the understanding of the Father and the Holy Spirit as well, and particularly the Holy Spirit also. But there's there's doctrinal error that can creep in because our understanding of God is skewed. And uh, so historically, you could go through a whole list Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. strange names, and I love the (laughs) modalistic monarchianism, you know. (laughs) If you can ask somebody for a definition of that and they can give it to you, they're definitely a theology nerd (laughs) or a history nerd or something. But uh, a lot of strange names and, and background to it, which doesn't need to necessarily concern us. But it really it boils down to uh, debates over uh, the, how to maintain those two ideas mm-hmm. of the three in oneness. You're gonna the, the fa- uh, false doctrines, heretical doctrines will overemphasize one, and so mm-hmm. uh, with the oneness, modalistic monarchianism was just to say that that God had three modes, so to speak, or uh, there was where it came to the distinct subsistence 
the the emphasis was just on the substance. So it was like, like God, in a sense, there's just uh, one person who morphs into different uh, aspects. So in one place, presenting himself as Father and one Son, one the Holy Spirit, but the, an overemphasis on the oneness where there's an overemphasis on the distinctiveness of the persons, then we un- mm-hmm, invariably mm-hmm. end up questioning the deity of Christ or uh, even the humanity of Christ or something along those lines. But for instance, in famously Arius mm-hmm. in, in the early church uh, history saw Jesus as of a different substance. It was mm-hmm. similar substance to the Father, but was of a different substance. And so he, by following that train of thought by wanting to uh, preserve the the threeness, so to speak, he came up with ideas about Jesus that were, were inaccurate, and that Jesus was, in the end, a created being. There was a time when he was not. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, now, th- that's as we look back historically, but we look to our day, and uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses of mm-hmm. our day mm-hmm. would hold that very view, that Jesus is highly revered, but he is a created being. He is a lesser God, a small g God. Mm-hmm. And and that really brings into question how he can be our Redeemer, and uh, as as well as some of the things that Jesus just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can that how can that square with Scripture? So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot at stake here. And I think we should be thankful historically for the people that have... Uh, fought in the trenches and worked these things out in that Augustine quote you started with, uh, just a reference there to the deep thought and work that goes into formulating a right Trinitarian view. And we have to be very aware, even though we may not know all the specifics of the various views, very aware that failure to understand uh, the Trinity is is invariably leads to false doctrine and mm-hmm. to false practice. Yeah, I, I like that way of thinking about it as generally an overemphasis on one of those two ideas. Mm-hmm. Oneness or threeness leads to a heretical view. Maybe like oneness Pentecostalism or something mm-hmm. like that, right. where we I think on the one hand, I want to be like, oh, they're, they're trying to wrestle with the doctrine of the Trinity. And so did a lot of the people we would call heretics before. Um, so it's it's tough because you want to say they, they're trying, uh, but maybe we need to rely on the people who went before us mm-hmm. and did go through those battles a little bit more um, instead of uh, just saying, let's start from scratch on our own, because we're probably prone to making some of those same errors. Right, and and I think many times what they've done is sought to um, solve the mystery mm-hmm. and, and, and get it all untied, and here's how we can logically perceive it and grasp it. Mm-hmm. But what happens there is you you have a, a lesser view of God, a, le- a view that does not square with what Scripture has revealed, and thus you create a God of your own making, one who can be marshaled with your own rational thoughts, rather than just taking what Scripture reveals and saying, we've got to believe it all, mm-hmm. and if we can't mm-hmm. put it all together... God knows that he still revealed this about himself and that he is higher than our minds can grasp. Mm-hmm. For for some of these doctrinal errors, you're, you're mentioning that they're pretty serious. I mean, how, how serious are we talking about? So JWs, Mormons, Oneness, Pentecostals, are, are they still Christian if they deny the Trinity? Or how, how should we view these uh, these groups? Obviously, we leave that with the Lord with each individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... 
I, so I've, I've thought of this often, too. Could it be possible that someone is just confused mm-hmm. about doctrine and really has come to saving faith in Christ? I, I suppose there's, uh, we can be open to that possibility. The, the problem is, uh, that comes in is when we are redeemed, we are redeemed by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is a work that the Father does. He gives the Son to be sacrificed as an atonement for our sin. The Son takes on flesh and lays down his life to die in our place and says on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken mm-hmm. me? There, there's, it's not the Father dying there in that mm-hmm. sense. And the Holy Spirit is the one who washes us in spirit baptism for salvation. So when, when, a, when someone has experienced that salvation, that redemption, they're perceiving it, even at a very modest level, as a Trinitarian salvation. So if God truly saves us, and He is a triune God, then we're going to be uh, sensing in some, some way this Trinitarian work. So when someone denies uh, the, the triunity of God, we have to seriously question whether they know Christ as Savior, whether they've truly been redeemed by God. We're not redeemed because we get our facts right. Mm. We're redeemed as a work of God's grace in the heart. And when he, when he brings that work about, uh, that salvation is by a triune God, and we sense that. Yeah. So Fred Sanders says, because the gospel is Trinitarian, evangelicals are gospel people, are by definition Trinity people, whether or not they think so. Right. Uh, Michael Bird writes in his systematic theology that it's arguably the most distinctive doctrine of Christianity because it distinguishes Christianity not only from polytheistic religions, but also from monotheistic religions like Islam and Judaism. Uh, but Dorothy Sayers describes what most Christians think about the Trinity, or some anyway, uh, the Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the whole thing incomprehensible, <laughs> something put in by theologians to make it more difficult, nothing to do with life or doctrine. Uh, so what must someone believe about the Trinity in order to be a Christian, or are there just certain things that they can't deny, uh, things that are in the Apostles' Creed, for instance? Yeah, and, and again, we come back to... Uh, what is essential to understand. We, we are not saved because we have our brain packed with a certain amount of detail. And there's, there are some uh, people who are born again by God who do not really understand the nuances of his triune being. So I think we have to look at this and remember this salvation is a work of God, not a, not a work of my getting my ducks in a row theologically. Having said that, as we continue to grow, as we're sanctified in the Spirit, we will continue to embrace what we see Scripture reveals. And it might be a a matter of a battle in the mind for some time uh, to embrace the right truth. But I don't believe that a genuine believer is being taught true Trinitarian belief and rejecting it. They're saying, I can't grasp it, I don't understand it, or they just haven't come to understand that nuance of it. I, I uh, met a Christian some time ago that was, I, he, it's a long story, but we were in a Bible study together, and he was instructing 
others that Jesus was a third of the Trinity. Well, you know, I, I was cringing. <laughs> like, how do I enter in here and say that's not the right perception? Was that man a believer? I, I think he was. He's leading a Bible study. He had evident love for the Lord. He just was very confused mm-hmm. about, about the Trinity. Uh, but that said, again, it is by a triune God that we're saved. And so someone who is professing faith in Christ and in an ongoing way is rejecting Trinitarian ideas as they come to this person, then I think we'd have to really question whether they know the true God. Uh, we're, we're probably all Trinitarian heretics sometimes right. and unintentionally. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think even if one year I was teaching some VBS material and they were using analogies from the Trinity that I thought were pretty great until I watched this Lutheran satire uh, video, YouTube video, where they kind of talk about these analogies and point out which Trinitarian heresy it actually leads you to. So maybe we need to be careful against throwing Mm. down too hard with the warnings of like you you lose the Trinity and you lose your soul or something like that, Uh, but while also recognizing it is really, really important. Mm. I mean, how do we balance that? Right. Well, I'd say someone, again, that that says the Trinity's not important. That's a doctrine I can't comprehend. It doesn't matter. That's really dangerous Mm. to Mm. say that. Uh, It's also probably arrogant because it fails to look at, at believers through the past that have died for these conversations and uh, have labored very hard and, and uh, been at battle with, with many and fighting heresy. We, we have to have some general respect for that. Uh, but again, to, to fully perceive it, that, that even going to be different capacities that people have, and I'm, I'm very aware of my incapacities as I read some authors on this this deep, deep topic. So I, I, I don't I don't think that we have to think that every error damns us. But on the other hand, I want to be very careful with that. Am I handling electricity on a light switch? No mm. big deal. But if I'm handling it behind the walls, mm-hmm. I would have a high respect for the fact that I can get this wrong. And, and I, so I need to, to listen to others, be watchful, patient, continue to work to build my theology. And as you said, Aaron, I, I think we all have errors in our theology. God doesn't send us to hell because our theology is not perfect. Mm. We, do we know Christ? That's the issue. Mm. But, but with, the, with the Trinity, we need to have a high respect for the, the long work that's been done to develop this doctrine from texts of Scripture and seeking to be honest with those texts of Scripture and their implications. So it's, it's, an, it's utterly vital for us as individuals and for our churches and for the stability of those churches, and every Christian should recognize mm-hmm. that and just mm-hmm. be, okay, I don't get it all. It, it's beyond me. I, I should Going back to what you said earlier, some can say it's boring and, and ignore it. Others can say it's embarrassing and mm-hmm. ignore it. I, I get embarrassed when I talk about it uh, to an unbeliever. It's just so hard to explain, mm-hmm. and after about three minutes, you sound like a, a raving lunatic as you're trying to explain who God is. But they're, again, humbly saying, we must submit to what Scripture has revealed, and in that there is great beauty 
and we should mm-hmm. not be embarrassed, but mm-hmm. just recognize humbly that we don't grasp it all. Yeah, I think I used to be a little bit embarrassed when I eventually would just have to say, it's complicated, and I don't <laughs> know how to articulate it or even understand it. But then the more that we investigate anything else that requires some level of expertise, we say that without any embarrassment at all. Mm -hmm. So as we were working on this building project, over and over again, I just had to say, I don't know how that works, but I'm glad someone does. You know, how, how do people build buildings or conduct electricity or anything else? Someone can explain it better than I can. And that shouldn't be embarrassing to us. Right. The difference is we we're talking about the person of God and we want to grow in that. We we don't want to just hire somebody to do that for us totally right. like we might with an electrician. Right, right. Very good. Very good point. What are some resources <laughs> that you would recommend or where would you point people to be thinking about the Trinity, growing in knowledge of the Trinity? I should probably ask you that question. <laughs> I think have as good answer as I do, but... Uh, the, the systematic theologies, um, any decent systematic theology will, will lay that out well. I'm uh, very helped by Bob Inc. and his work is just so clear and, and accurate, helpful. Uh, but there's, there's many systematic theologies that will, will deal with this well. There's also a, a fair um, number of shorter works that are more practical in nature. You mentioned Fred Sanders. He has a, a number of works that are, are helpful. Uh, Michael Reeves, I think, is another, and, and, and on and on. It, it, it doesn't take much of a search to find uh, some of these, these titles that are uh, they're briefer. They're seeking to uh, benefit um, Christians on their, in their daily walk with the Lord and just thinking in Trinitarian ways. So we're, we are very blessed with literature that's there. But uh, you can also, if you really want to do a deeper dive, you can certainly go back into history. And when it comes to particularly the person of Christ, but uh, with Trinitarian doctrine, this is a debate that's gone on forever, so it's, you, you have no trouble finding material. It's just narrowing it down to what is, what is best, and that, to some degree, depends a little bit on the individual. I mean, I, I'm very happy just sticking with systematic theologies and just reading what's there, and, but some of these other more popular um, documents are very helpful, very good for, for people. Yeah. Um, at Eden, what do you do to help Eden be a Trinitarian, <laughs> affirming, believing church? Yeah. You know, in the, in the benediction, we use a Trinitarian formula often, uh, just as, as we bless the congregation in part ways. I think that's one, uh, certainly with the, the uh, hymnody. Uh, there are Trinitarian ideas that are, are there that we purposefully choose and are thankful for whenever we find them and that they're fitting to the, to the service at hand. Uh, and, and then obviously just in the text of Scripture, as you're working through and you come across these Trinitarian uh, concepts to just to emphasize them mm-hmm. and to continue to speak that way. And then I think, too, as we, as, as we uh, speak about salvation, to continue to be layering into our, uh, our, our teaching, our preaching, just the work of the Father in our redemption, the work of the Son, the work of the Spirit. And just to, uh, just to be speaking in Trinitarian ways as we think of, of redemption. 
And then you also taught a Bible class on the Trinity. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And and that's what made me think it would be great for you to come be our Bible conference speaker <laughs> because you've put a lot of time into it. And I think Josh and I are like, we don't have time to do that right now, but we think it would be good for our church to think about it. Well, praise the Lord. And it's a tremendous opportunity for me having, yeah, I worked through it for a quarter, so three months, uh, and kind of covered the doctrine over that period of time. So it was a pretty deep dive uh, into it. Obviously, you're scratching the surface in some sense, but it was uh, multiple weeks of considering the Trinity from different angles. And mm. So I'm I'm thrilled to be able to come and and share some of the fruit of that. It will will just be you know three times, so it's not uh, not very in depth. But I, I want to give a good overview of the whole concept and then uh, touch some of the ways in which uh, this is vital to our mm. Christian walk. So I'm I'm mm. thrilled to be offered an opportunity to speak about it again so soon. And back to our church, that course will be a repeating course. Uh, we believe it's really essential to the um, orthodoxy of the church uh, moving forward, and so that's going to be a, a core uh, teaching that we'll repeat uh, through the years, not all the time, but just on, on a rotation. We'll teach a, a quarter-long course on the Trinity, and looking forward to being with <laughs> Resurrection Church. Yeah, now you probably won't rework anything from the first time you taught it. You'll just pull up the notes exactly. Not quite, <laughs> and obviously the 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 uh, context differs. I yeah. mean, I have different time and different people. And, well, yeah. I know that you pretty much rework everything that you do, even if it's pretty much done. Yeah, um, never written anything that I think is exactly the way it should be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in terms of people who are writing about the Trinity and our connection to non-Baptists on the Trinity, particularly higher church people. It seems like they're writing a lot more on this pretty often, or at least for a longer time, because some of those denominations have been around longer than Baptists, maybe, but also maybe a tighter grasp on that. How does our belief in the Trinity connect us to Christians that we most likely wouldn't start a church with, um, who we, we would look at and say, we highly disagree about many things, whether it's baptism or something else, does the Trinity connect us to them? Can we share belief in these things while kind of separating on a lot of other things? I, I think so, and I, I think we're always standing on the shoulders of others as well as partnering with others in the truth. And uh, where we find the truth, we need to celebrate it as the truth. The spokesperson is important on some level, but not on an ultimate level. An ultimate level is whether or not they speak the truth. And if they speak it on, on one matter and not on another, then we need to recognize that. The uh, line with Augustine is that the Reformation was the victory of his soteriology over his ecclesiology. So I, we look at Augustine in the area of soteriology, and there's so much there that's so good uh, in the area of ecclesiology, there's a lot we would just turn away from and just say, don't believe that he uh, really understood some of the issues that were there in ecclesiology. So that's true with anybody, anywhere. And I, I think we have to be careful. Uh, it, this is an area where subtleties are uh, can take us down the wrong way. But there are people laboring in defense of this orthodox position and where we recognize that, I think we should celebrate it, thank God for it, 
and uh, I, I, I don't know sometimes, you, you, you speak to a, a Roman Catholic that has a very orthodox view of the uh, triune God, and then, but then you wonder, uh, how do they mm. perceive Mary in, mm-hmm. in that, and does that affect their understanding of God or something along those lines? But I, I, think, I think if we're careful, we should just celebrate anywhere where the truth is honored and articulated and formulated, and say that, yes, there is, through the centuries, a Christian belief in a triune God. And thankful for people that are seeing that, even though they may, I may not want to start a church with them or mm-hmm. couldn't start a church with them because of our ecclesiological differences. Yeah, yeah, I think, obviously, we can't see everything from God's perspective, but as we look at church history, there are times where maybe evangelicals have really fought for a good doctrine that needed to be preserved and or recovered, while, you know, Roman Catholics have done a great job preserving these uh, Trinitarian formulas, and we're grateful that happened because right. maybe our world didn't focus on that for a while because we were focusing on something else that needed focus, but we can benefit from the work that other scholars have done in, in other church traditions, even while rejecting much of their other beliefs. Right. And some of that, too, is just their environment, what what they're battling, what they perceive to be a danger. We may be in a spot where we just don't perceive that danger from the people that we rub shoulders with and partner with, and so mm-hmm. we're not going to address mm-hmm. that issue because it's not a hot issue. We're, yep. we're in unity on it, where they may be coming from an environment where they see people deviating in that area of the triunity of God and uh, have to fight the battle so we can benefit from the work they're putting into it. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you for joining us on the podcast, and we really look forward to hearing from you on Sunday the 27th for our Bible class and morning service hour, and then on Monday evening at 7 p.m. on the Trinity. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me here, and good to interact with you. Thanks, Dan.